grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Here we are again. It's October 2020, I'm pretty sure. And there's a choice that's on everybody's mind. It's a choice that makes families shout at each other, that can divide friendships. It's a choice that's so frustrating for some people that they would rather just not have to choose at all. But it is a choice that we have to make. You know what that choice is. You know what I'm talking about. It's the choice that Jesus talks about in the gospel today. The choice is between Caesar and God. That's the choice. So, in an election season, it can be pretty easy to lose perspective. I don't know if you've noticed that with people around you. If we needed some perspective, what would we need to know? What would it look like? I think if we needed some perspective, we would need to know maybe four things. We would need some eternal perspective. We would need to know our story as Catholics. We would need to know our principles as Catholics. And we would need to know above everything else, our Lord. So, maybe some perspective. So this year, the U.S. turned 244. Happy birthday. The U.S. has been around for about 244 years. How long has the human species been around? About 300,000 years. How long has the universe been around? approximately 13.8 billion years. Which means that the proportion of time that the U.S. has existed in the history of the human species is 0.081%. The amount of time that the U.S. has existed in the history of the universe is 0.000178%. Or a proportion, approximately, of 1.78 times 10 to the negative 8. I had to use Google to figure that out. (laughs) Our God is eternal. Psalm 100 says, He made us, we belong to Him. The Republican Party didn't make you. The Democratic Party didn't make you. God made you. We were and are his children first. That is our deepest identity. And so our ultimate loyalty belongs to him. Who would help us to know our story? The U.S. is 244 years old. But all of its political parties are younger than that, and the current political parties we have that dominate haven't existed during the whole history of the U.S. There have been Democrats and Republicans, and Democratic Republicans, and Federalists, and Whigs, 
There was also the Know-Nothing Party, a party that existed solely to suppress the votes of Catholics. The Know-Nothing Party and its efforts were often affiliated with the KKK. We should know our story. We should also know our principles. Where do our principles come from? Are they random rules? Do they come out of nowhere? Who makes them? Well, our principles are grounded in the human person. So when Jesus says to the Pharisees and the Herodians, he shows them this coin, and he says, whose image is on it? And they say, Caesar's. Well, where's God's image? Is it on some coin? No. If you find a coin with God's image on it, please bring it over to the rectory. I would love to see what it looks like. Um, so where is God's image? Where do we find the image of God? It's stamped in us, in the human person. And so the principles that we have are to protect and to reverence the image of God in human persons, which is why, as Catholics, we affirm that it's never okay to directly take innocent human life. And if you look around in our culture, there aren't really a lot of people who still believe that. Most people, if you press them on it, they'll give you a reason why you can take innocent human life. In some circumstances, if you get them on the right thing that's a little inconvenient, they'll probably concede to you that that's okay. We won't do that. And we don't do this to be selfish, but it is also in everyone's best interest not to uh, advocate for the direct killing of any human life because eventually, at some point, your life will also be inconvenient to somebody's. And if you have spent your life saying that there are times when you could probably take life if it's inconvenient for you, that may come back and get you. We will not be so pleased in that moment. I encourage people, as Father Patterson has, just to take a look at even just the introduction. It's just about one page of the U.S. Bishop's letter, Faithful Citizenship, just outlines not about candidates, just about issues, where the Catholic Church stands based on principles that I just talked about. And if you agree with the whole platform of the Republican Party or the whole platform of the Democratic Party, this statement will make you upset because there aren't that many people left in our culture who advocate for life this way, that the Catholic Church does, and we don't fit into a political party. But what we need to know above everything else is our Lord, the one who made us, who created us, redeemed us, and loves us still. There was a lot of division in the early church and St. Paul wrote to one community that was dealing with this division, and he says something that I think applies really well to our situation right now. He says, when one of you says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not merely human? Let no one boast about human leaders, for all things are yours, 
You belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. That's who we belong to. But we see it right now in the people around us, in news coverage, maybe in ourselves. People do boast about their human leaders who can change or can disappear so fast. And we're meant for something deeper and more lasting than that. Statistically, we now know people in our current era are more willing to marry someone of a different religion than to marry someone of a different political party. It's kind of interesting. Tells us a lot. And if we wonder why our culture is so divided, it's not the complete answer, but I wonder if part of it is because so much of our culture doesn't believe in God or acts as if God doesn't exist. If we're not seeking our deepest meaning and identity from a relationship with him, we're going to seek it from something else because we want meaning and we want relationship. And what a lot of people do is they seek their deepest meaning and identity from parties or from candidates. And that doesn't leave us satisfied. It leaves people as divided and raging and upset and sad as we can see them being right now. Because all of their hope turns on very small things and not on the Lord. The Israelites were often in this exact same situation, which is why God says to them with strength and also with mercy in this first reading from Isaiah, there is none besides me. Don't be confused about who your leader really is, to whom you owe your allegiance. He says, there is no other. And the psalm we sang has this remarkable line. It says, the Lord is king. That's supposed to be a subversive statement. It's like a priest getting up in a homily and saying, the Lord is the president. We'd be a little confused. But the Lord is our king. And the reality is that Jesus could have protected himself from the kind of sacrifice that it takes to acknowledge this. He didn't have to tell anyone to render to Caesar what is Caesar's and to render to God what is God's. He didn't have to say that, but he chose to. And when he finishes the sayings that we're reading from Matthew's gospel right now, that we read from right today, when he finishes all of these sayings, he's going to stop the last sentence. And what happens right after that? What happens is that Jesus finishes that last sentence and he marches into Jerusalem to acclaim and applause. And five days later, the people who applaud him crucify him. At the time when it could have saved him, his life, saved his hide, 
Jesus didn't refrain from saying what he said to Pilate. My kingdom is not of this world. St. Paul, about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us, says something else that I think speaks directly to our situation. He is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility between us. When all human beings were willing to do was bicker about government and about each other, God put an enormous sign on his front lawn, and he said, whom do I support, whom do I love more than everything else? Humanity. Are we willing to give that back to him? And on the night before that crucifixion, the night before he died, Jesus took bread and wine, giving thanks, and he offered himself up totally for us. And he feeds us with his body and blood still. When we receive that at Mass, we use the phrase that we're receiving communion. It's a mysterious and a beautiful phrase. We're receiving communion with God. But if we're in communion with God, it means that we're also in communion, or called to be in communion, with everyone else who is loved by God. We receive communion with the Lord, but we also receive communion with one another. When we come up, for communion, are we really in union with one another? Or are we dissing our neighbor just because it's fun or easy? Are we making these comments here and there about the people we know or about what they think, not because we love the truth, but because we love ourselves and we love being right? Do we seek our identity in ourselves or in the categories the world gives us? Or do we love him above all things? He says, It is I who arm you, though you know me not, so that toward the rising and setting of the sun people may know that there is none besides me. I am the Lord. There is no other.